0: This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, April 7th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellums with me on the phone to start our show from his, well, not from his office in Fort Smith. He'll tell us where he is in Fort Smith. Is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, welcome. Where are you?
1: I'm uh, sitting here at the mill uh, in downtown Fort Smith. is this, the this shared workspace and I try to come down here more often. It's a great, great place and um, I run into some folks that I haven't seen in a while. i have already, over the course of the past several months, have run into stories that were out there, just running into somebody here. So great, great place in downtown Fort Smith.
0: You know, many times during our conversations over the last, I don't know, 15, 24 months, you have told me that building permit values in Fort Smith will not always go up. I'm beginning to not believe that. I think they're just going to keep going up.
1: Uh, yes, I, I think anyone should question my judgment on <laughs> on the permits uh, that because they continue to go up. Year-to-date, uh, and we look at Fort Smith, Greenwood, and Bambura numbers. Year-to-date, the combined permits, it's January through March, uh, are $165.1 million, uh, and it's up almost 21%, uh, which is still a healthy gain. Not only is it a healthy gain, but that's up against what were healthy gains uh, in the first quarter of 2022 so they can, in in a a further reflection or perspective, you know, the the combined uh, permit values in 2022 for the three cities uh, pushed past 400 million, almost 500 million. They hit 480.3 million last year. And that was off of breaking a record of 343 million in 2021 and a record Mm. of 265 million in 2020. So... Yeah. um, I'm going to, I think I just need to shut up about it (laughs) at some point that numbers are going to have to come down or or moderate because they, they do not. Um, And it just continues to be driven um, primarily by some big commercial uh, and some big residential projects. For example, in March, there was a 20, almost a $29 million multifamily residential project permitted at Chaffee Crossing. So um, and the numbers are up across the across the board in terms of residential and commercial, and across the region. So I um, I just keep thinking it's going to slow down just based on you know you can't keep up the pace. Also interest rates are rising. Right. So we'll we'll see. I mean maybe in the back half of the year it really slows down. But I, I, I maybe I should be like have some kind of shock caller, and every time I say the numbers are going <laughs> to decline, I get shocked. Maybe that'll keep
0: me from saying that. Well, we'll keep talking about it, you know, eventually, but right now they keep going up. It was about right. 18 years ago that I remember being at what was then the just-opened Janet Huckabee Arkansas River Valley Nature Center, um, just on what I consider the other side of Fort Smith from where our studios are. It's still going, and this week we learned it's going to expand.
1: Yeah, it's um, um, expansion, renovation. I'm not sure what what'll end up looking like, but um, yeah, it is a great facility. I'm, and I'm going to try to be as objective as I can because uh, when it opened, our both of my girls were little, and we took them out there quite a bit, and they loved the place. I and mean, we could we could burn off a whole afternoon and a whole lot of energy, a little girl energy, um, <laughs> out there, and um, great great place great learning environment and then when they got older and became girl scouts scouts used it uh quite a bit for you know programs for opportunities for learning opportunities um but yes it's so as you said it's been a while they opened um 2005 2006 time frame so as anything will be it's kind of dated so they're raised 350 thousand through the game fish commission uh, Pradco, which is an outdoor, which is a fishing supply company, has uh, given them another 150,000. They've talked about a kind of a million-dollar goal uh, to renovate this, but um, it's a it's a pretty large facility. It sits on 170 acres, um, and um, again, it's I can't imagine. I wish we would have stopped when we did the story and asked the asked the folks there at the center how many people have come through the doors mm. since it opened, but I, I suspect it's a pretty high number. But um, looking forward to this, um, there's really not a, a, a time frame for, what, for when it gets started, what it'll look like. They're in the process of raising money, but uh, it's good news, another good um, piece of economic development news. I know people don't see that as economic development, but anytime time you provide an amenity, um, that, that contributes to the overall economy
0: been a long time since I've been there. I assume they still have that massive aquarium.
1: Yes, twelve hundred or fifteen hundred gallon, uh, yeah. twelve hundred gallon aquarium. Yes. Yep. And uh, our the my girl's favorite was the the um, snake feed every every day at a certain <laughs> time. They would feed the snakes a, <laughs> a mouse, poor mouse. And um, but it was nature. Talk about nature in action. Yeah. Got to see it.
0: All right. Finally, I didn't grow up in Fort Smith but I have lived in this area for a long time. Something that was a standard, a constant was Newton's Jewelers on Garrison in downtown Fort Smith. Been there for more than a century, but it's soon going to close.
1: Yep. It'll, it'll it'll close soon. I, um, I had a friend after the news came out, he sent me a text and said, what are they going to close next? Garrison Avenue. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, And I, that, that's about right. I mean, if you're going to close Newton, you might as well just close the... But, you know, Newton's Jeweler, um, it, definitely an iconic business in downtown Fort Smith and the whole region. Um, my, my wife and I, when we got married, in fact, 27 years ago, Thursday, mm-hmm. when we got married, the wedding ring, the wedding band, was made by Kelly Newton and his folks there at Newton's Jewelers. So, um, and I've done quite a bit of shopping there, but you know, they've he's been operating in a while. They they he, Kelly Newton told us that they thought about selling it but just decided not to, so they're going to close it down. Um, I, there's no word about what may come into that space. It's a pretty good mm-hmm. space. It's right next to the city offices, right across from the state office building, adjacent to uh, kind of catty-cornered, so to speak, to the enforcement chamber and First National Bank. It's a prime location. But um, it'll close down. I hate to see it go. I mean, it's just—I mean, Newtons is a part of Fort Smith, and Fort Smith is a part of Newtons. That's just um, it, like my friend said. You know, it's you might as well almost close up Garrison Avenue with it because it's that attached um, to to Fort Smith. And I'm sure there've been a lot of iconic businesses on Garrison close over the years. I know some closed and moved out to. Central Mall at the time, so these things do happen. But it's been a it's been a long time since I can remember, and I've been in Fort Smith for over 30 years. That such a legendary business has, has shut its doors.
0: I, I want people to go to talkbusiness.net and look at the the picture that y'all selected, the exterior of Newton's Jewelers. I don't know from what year it is. It could have been last year. It could have been 1962. It's just an iconic. Picture of a downtown jewelry store in a city. I, I, I just, yep. it's wonderful.
1: It's a relatively recent picture. The only thing not on the front now is Rolex. When
2: mm-hmm.
1: part of the arrangement, when they got out a bit, Rolex I wanted the sign down, so the Rolex sign is gone. But that's how it looks.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and 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 the um, the goodbye sale is is happening now, and I think in the article, Kelly Newton says they'll go until the inventory has gone.
1: Yep. And, yeah, if you're looking for up to 70% off on something, so I know I'm talking about it like I'm going to get the commission on it. I'm not. But, it, yeah, it's there's going to be some sweetheart deals there.
0: Yeah. Things change. I get that. But this you're right. This one this one will take some getting used to.
1: Yep. Yeah, it will.
0: You can read about this and so much more at talkbusiness.net. Michael Tilly joins us every Friday. Michael, thanks for your time. Have a great weekend.
1: Hey, you're welcome, sir. You as well.
3: KUAF is supported by Dr. Kathleen Wong, a psychiatrist providing infusion therapy for treatment of depression and anxiety disorders. Following NIMH protocol, studies show ketamine infusion therapy can reduce suicidal ideation and is an effective alternative when other treatments fail. DrKathleenWong.com for more information. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College, offering the nationally recognized Hendrix Odyssey program, which ensures students complete three or more hands-on learning experiences, from internships and undergraduate research to service opportunities and study
4: abroad programs. Hendricks.edu slash connect for more. On Friday, March 31st, Jonesboro Mayor Harold Copenhaver already had his emergency team prepared to respond to yet another potential tornado disaster, reminiscent of what hit the city more than three years ago to the day. But, as KASU's Brandon Tabor reports, when the storm instead dropped a tornado in nearby Wynn, he dispatched his emergency response team to assist with recovery.
5: Copenhaver said that since his emergency team was already formed, he called Wynn's mayor, Jennifer Hobbs, to see if her city could use the help. He said she was thankful for the offer.
6: We had prepared to the best that we could, and so we were able to utilize those resources. Within an hour and a half, we were on our way to Win, So that allowed us the opportunity to get in on the front stages of the setting up of what would happen that evening, because remember, there's no lighting. There's nothing in the community. It's pitch dark state of police, they organize initially the onset of people coming in, but then the mayor has another role, and the mayor has a role of answering CNN phone calls, phone calls that are coming from all across the country, and at that point in time, she doesn't have the, the force to do that, right? And so our communications team was able to work with her HR director to give them statements and allow that. It just eased some of that stress that would normally happen and occur and when a police chief uh, came in, he had the ability to already team up, and they organized that. The fire chief was an experienced fireman, but he's a newly uh, hired uh, fire chief. And he knew our fire chief, who's been around over 20 years. Um, and so they were able to immediately have the conversation of, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? And it happened immediately. I just want to say that the citizens of Jonesboro need to be aware of the services and the type people and good people that we have that are doing their jobs right here in our community that could allow them to do that job in other communities. I was very, very proud of our staff and our city of
5: Jonesboro. About three years ago, Jonesboro went through this same thing. Uh, So I can imagine that you had some advice to share uh, to Mayor Hobbs when you got there. What kind of advice uh, did you give her?
6: One step at a time. And because everything's being thrown at you as a mayor at that point in time from all different angles. A lot of requests, a lot of decisions, and you have to rely on the team around you to do their job. And they did it and they're doing it and I must say three years ago the shoe was on the other foot and when and everybody else around assisted us that's what makes our Kansans so wonderful in the time of need others come and I must say there were volunteers from all over the state that were there by the time we received within an hour and a half took us two and a half total time to get there Um, but um, you know with the city going dark I was also able to communicate with City Water and Light, Um, and we also had another um, company in town that I could call to get lighting uh, down to the community to light up certain parts as we were going through to clean up the streets for them. But again, I can't say enough. She had a lot on her plate, and it was more there to assist and to, if she had questions, then we were able to help her answer those
5: with feet on the ground and a foundation. Okay, and since you became mayor, uh, one of the things that you did was establish an alliance with all the Northeast Arkansas mayors, Um, and I'm sure that uh, when this happened, it affected every single city town in northeast Arkansas. Is there any kind of a thing that the Alliance is doing or has done to help support wind during this? Absolutely. All the mayors
6: have stepped up and and uh, we conversate uh, frequently on what we can do in any initial need. And I will say that that's a great point because Mayor Hobbs and I might not have known each other otherwise had we not been into the mayor's caucus to where we know the individuals we know the community she knew my phone number when i called her those are things that we take for granted now that we didn't have three years ago the other side of that is i'm going to be putting together for the mayor's caucus an overall emergency plan for all the mayors to have at their forefront on what happens when fema comes in what you can and can't do how you have to do trash permitting because you have a lot of people unfortunately come to your community that are not good for the community they just want money in their pocketbook how do you control that and what can go into place immediately that you can ask from other communities to help you with these are things that we're going to be putting together in a package
5: so now we're even going to be more prepared in case another event occurs what advice do you have for the people of Wynn? Because again, Jonesboro has been through this before. Uh, What advice do you want to give the people of Wynn on uh, getting through this and getting to the next phase?
6: Keep your head up. There's going to be days ahead that you'll wonder if you'll make it through, but with the community, you will. And you can already see the perseverance and the strength of the city of Wynn and its inhabitants, how they're pulling together. It's going to thrive again, and it'll come out even stronger. That's what I've seen through the storms that we've had even 40 and 50 years ago, how the city of Jonesboro even developed into a stronger community.
0: That's Brandon Tabor reporting. He is with our partner station KASU in Jonesboro. Still to come on this evening edition of Ozarks at Large, some conversations we didn't have time for in recent editions of our show. We don't always have enough time to share everything that we discussed during an interview. Later tonight, what a lullaby project is, what it's like the moment after you finish performing an emotionally raw play in front of an audience, and how songwriting, engineering, and engaging with community had something in common. That's all ahead, a bit later on tonight's show.
4: This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore.
0: I'm Kyle Kellams. A sweeping package of criminal justice legislation cleared one of its final legislative hurdles yesterday. The Protect Arkansas Act would require people convicted of certain violent crimes to serve longer sentences before they're eligible to be be released on parole. Republican Representative Jimmy Gassaway said the bill is designed to create a state system That mimics the federal one.
6: If you talk with law enforcement around the state, this is what they tell you. There's one system that the criminals fear and there's one system that the criminals laugh at. When criminals are arrested for these types of crimes, their first question is, am I going federal or am I going state? If you tell them I'm going federal, you're going federal, they cry. If you tell them they're going state, they laugh because they know the system that we have is a joke.
4: Democrats were critical of the bill, saying data does not prove that longer sentences for violent crime brings down crime rates. Democratic Representative Andrew Collins spoke against the bill.
2: The Department of Justice published something, and it says, direct quote, increasing the severity of punishment does little to deter crime. And there's other things. There's a meta-analysis of 116 studies that came out just recently that looked at, analyzes the analyses. The no effect of custodial compared with non-custodial sanctions is considered a criminological fact.
4: The bill passed the House and now returns to the Senate before going to Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders for a signature.
0: A bill that would require all Arkansans to verify their age before opening a new social media account Gained final approval in the legislature yesterday. Senate Bill 396 would also require minors to get parental approval to open accounts on apps like Facebook and Twitter. Republican Senator Ricky Hill gave an emotional speech against the bill, saying it amounts to censorship and a restriction of commerce.
3: Parents control what they, their kids see. And you say, well, what about those who don't have a parent, who don't have someone watching over them? You know what? No matter what we do, we're not going to prevent that from happening. We're putting a bill in place, or we going to put something into law that's not going to change anything. Except instead of this, we're going to have our identity stolen.
4: Hill said he was wary of the bill's requirement that social media companies verify users' age through a third-party company. The bill's sponsor, Republican Senator Tyler Dees, said it's needed to help protect minors from potential exploitation.
2: This does not ban social media. This is not a First Amendment issue. We are not censoring any sort of free speech
0: at all. All this does is apply the same logic that we do in a society, the same logic we think is right, the same logic that we think protects kids and applies it to an online situation. The bill now heads to Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders for a signature. Dees also sponsored a bill requiring age verification to view sexually explicit material online, which is also awaiting the governor's signature.
4: Talk Business and Politics reports Walmart will build thousands more electric vehicle charging stations at stores in the next six years. The retailer currently has about 1,300 charging stations at about 280 stores. In Arkansas, Walmart has charging stations through a partnership with Electrify America at locations in a few towns including Clarksville, Rogers, and Little Rock.
0: A celebration of the annual Holy Festival of Colors will take place tomorrow at the Momentary in Bentonville. The festival, from noon to three tomorrow, is organized by the Indian Cultural Association of Northwest Arkansas. Holi is a Hindu tradition celebrating the arrival of spring, held on the last full moon day of the Hindu Luna Solar Calendar month. Ravi Kanth Kraviti, with the group, says festival participants toss vibrant natural powder dyes into the air. And
1: it is celebrated thousands of years in India and mostly in the regions. And it is basically associated with uh, fun and frolic, but also it is celebrating the onset of a spring after the completion of the winter and getting the natural colors sprinkled on each other, signifying that there is a change in the hue and the nature around us.
0: Groviti says the free festival is open to everyone.
1: They have a lot of sweets and, like, you know, treats, food and dance, like in a lot of music, dance, and we just say best wishes for them.
0: And Kraviti says in past years, Holy has been locally celebrated in local parks, playgrounds, and downtown city squares, but this will be the first time the festival is hosted by the Momentary.
4: The Northwest Arkansas Naturals are off to a good start. The Nats opened the 2023 season at Arvest Ballpark last night with a 3-2 win over the Midland Rockhounds naturals will be in springdale through saturday with games tonight and tomorrow night they'll open a six-game road trip at wichita on tuesday night the number nine arkansas softball team will try to even its series with georgia at bogle park tonight last night the bulldogs ranked eighth in the nation used a late inning three-run home run to defeat arkansas four to three two teams play tonight The two teams play tonight and then wrap up the series Saturday evening at 5. And the number 5 Razorback baseball team will play twice in Oxford, Mississippi after last night's scheduled game against Mississippi was postponed because of the weather. The series is scheduled to conclude... Saturday afternoon.
0: And spring diversity will be celebrated in Eureka Springs this weekend. Along with summer and fall diversity weekends, the three-day events draw LGBTQ plus people from Arkansas and from out of state. Jay Wilkes, diversity coordinator, is director of Out in Eureka.
2: So this year, we're going to bring back some of, our, some of the favorites that everybody always loves. Uh, the meet and greets, uh, our diversity in the park. We've got Aaron Dethridge, who's known as, also known as Dr. Shred. Um, An amazing performer. She's going to open up the park for us. Uh, We are going to have the PDA in the park. And then uh, DJ Test Tube is a very popular DJ. He's going to be playing his disco bubble dance party in the park so everybody can come and dance. We'll have vendors and organizations in the park. And then after that, we're going to do this famous official drag queen bingo, which is free. It's family friendly and open to everyone. And that will be at 530 at Brews.
0: Live music will be performed at venues around town throughout the weekend. Diversity in Basin Park, a seasonal LGBTQ plus family tradition, takes place tomorrow from 10 until 3.
2: There's going to be more drag shows in town for this diversity than I think there ever have been at so many of the great venues. Um, So, you know, whether you want to go see a drag show, go dancing, go listen to jazz music or listen to one of your favorite bands around town, that's going to be possible for
0: you. Wilk says he expects as many as 800 to attend Spring Diversity this year, where most events are free. You can find out more and see a schedule at outineureka.com.
6: That's saxophonist Dana Stevens in the background. And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. We'll hear more from Dana Stevens, as well as music from Peterson Coddy. Snarky Puppy, Patricia Barber, John Stubblefield, and much more on this week's edition of Shades of Jazz. Join me every Friday and Saturday right here on KUAF.
4: Shades of Jazz tonight at 10 on 91.3 KUAF and tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on KUAF3. You can listen to KUAF3 through the KUAF app by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF3
0: or by streaming it. At KUAF.com. This is an inspiring week for me, the KUAF fundraiser. Always is. It's a time when the community works together to make sure public radio stays strong. Every time it reminds me that so many of the voices we share with you on the show and share with you throughout the KUF broadcast day are people working toward improving a community or several communities. For example, May for Bandola with the musical ensemble La Dama. The four women recently played at Walton Art Center as part of the 10 by 10 series. I talked with Mayfer and didn't have time to get this part of the interview on the air. I asked her about a couple of projects she's part of in New York City that establish stronger bonds for people, including something called The Lullaby Project.
7: Actually, I'm going to be playing June at Carnegie Hall. Um, like, let's say, the whole recording process we've been creating from last year into this year.
0: And this sounds wonderful. It's you work with with parents and and caregivers to to write
7: personal lullabies? Yes, that's right. I've been working since October last year. Um since I moved to New York, I was like looking for a project that actually connect music and community and the community making process is like something that I really enjoy. So I started like uh working with this project which is Lullaby Project that is direct by uh, Carnegie Hall, and they have, like, different, um, let's say, group of projects around the country, but the one that works in New York actually work with different shelters, and they also work, like, in some female prisons, and it's, like, a great opportunity to create a safe space as artists for moms or, like, caregivers that kind of, don't have time or space to like humanize the experience of parenting. I so um, it's been an incredible process for me to be able just like to work with the bandola, which is a traditional instrument from Venezuela, and kind of create lullaby from my knowledge, which is oral tradition here in New York. And, and I'm able to communicate in English and Spanish and in Portuguese because I also speak Portuguese. Um, so it's been like a door like a window to understand um motherhood uh, in like really let's say uh, insecurity context like food insecurity house insecurity or like let's say people who just arrive from the border um that arrive here and they don't know what to do but still they wanted to do it like create a lullaby and then you kind of get the story behind the lullaby for the babies, and it's just, like, amazing. I mean, you be, you would be, like, really impressed about how, like, the, the variety of stories behind the lullaby are amazing.
0: Oh, I love that so, so much. And finally, mm-hmm. I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you about, and I'm, I apologize for the pronunciation, I am I am monolingual, I only speak one language, but the piperus nights.
7: Yes, you got it right. Oh. Piper is nice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Piper is nice is, first, I'm going to explain you the expression, like that That phrase. Um, let's say that like in Venezuela during the 70s, um, where there was like the, the oil momentum um, of the industry in Venezuela, Americans, engineers were invited to work in there with the transnational companies. But the Venezuelans were the ones who knew the land, so they have to work together. Um, Some of them speak English, like, talking specifically about the Venezuelans, and some of them not. So what was happening is, like, an intercultural, like, change in there, especially with the languages. So when Americans will say, oh, that people that is nice is more about, like, people that was fancy, like, dress well, or even, like, have good manners and everything like that. So, like, fancy people. So Venezuelans just repeat what they heard. So it was like, instead of saying "people," people that is nice, they would just say "people is nice." I love it. And yeah. So um, just I I just realized too, like not now, but like months when I when I created this project, it's like a common experience in Latin America in general. Um, so what I created here is like when I moved to New York in 2021 from Canada, I was living in Canada before, um, I was looking for like community gatherings of Venezuelans here in the city and I couldn't find it. So it's like where people connect, like how can I just like understand where it's like people and I couldn't find it. So I just like, okay, I'm going to just like create a place where to play my traditions and then see who is going to arrive. So I create PPD's Nights, which is like Mm -hmm. Noches de Joropo, in Spanish means Joropo Nights. We create a meeting of PPD's Nights in New York and it's just a gathering to play, sing, dance, through storytelling and music, the Joropo from Venezuela and kind of share, like create an awareness about the culture because many asylum seekers are arriving in the city and I just understand like like especially New York know so little about Venezuela culture. So with this has been like uh artistic residency every Sunday, second and fourth Sunday of each month, people just come come here in Brooklyn to listen, dance and play Horopas from Venezuela. called called these night.
0: That's May for Bandola from the musical ensemble. Ladama. The four women in the band were on stage last month at Walton Arts Center, and that was from the interview I did with Mayfer before the band came to Fayetteville. And part of the interview, we didn't have time to get on the air until now. And here's some more from a conversation that recently aired with cast members from Sanctuary City, ending its run this weekend at Theater Squared. Anamino Montes, who plays G, and Brennan Urby, who plays B, were in the Anthony and Susan Hoy news studio. Here's just a bit from the end of our visit from that day that we couldn't get on the show until now. I asked the two actors about what it's like to come off stage after such an intense, personal production.
8: I have said this and I feel that people are like, "No, come on, that doesn't count." But like having such a sweet and good team that takes care of you as soon as you leave the stage is a self-care thing for me. Like just walking out of the theater with all my cast members, mm-hmm. uh it's like, "Oh, We're not those people anymore. Mm. We're the wonderful friends that...
9: Yeah. Yeah, That's it. That's the biggest one for me is, Mm -hmm. like, callback. Going back to creating, like, before the process, creating a rapport, that sticks because I have to be able to leave the stage and be, like, Anna and I like to talk about this, like, Rosalia dance, (laughs) right? And we we can joke about it after just to be, like, we... We just yelled at each other for two hours on stage, and now we can, like, joke around and hug. And, and I, yeah, I just need to be reminded that the people I'm sharing the stage with, we have lives outside of this.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: Finally, uh, so now it's—this will run through, I think, April 9th, April 10th? That's, April 9th. Uh, yeah. As you get close to the end of a run, do you get nostalgic, or do you get—
8: <laughs> I started getting nostalgic— Since we started rehearsals, because I feel that I really fell in love with the script, the process, the people, the amazing designers that we had. Um, So, yes, it's going to be terrible when we finish. uh, But, yeah, I feel that I started that process a long time ago (laughs) because I keep telling people about this one experience that I had when we were in the middle of tech, that we were sitting in the middle of the stage, waiting for them to adjust some cues. And I was like, Brennan, look around at this amazing group of women designing this show. Look at, this is magic. This is wonderful. So letting go of that is, it's going to be hard, but it's definitely going to be one of those experiences that I'm going to keep talking about it forever. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, this is the type of theater that I want to do. This is... Something that aligns with my purpose as an artist and that I will be looking for mm-hmm. and trying to create with future projects
9: It's special, it's special, and it's it's always hard to leave a show, but when when a show gets under your skin like this one does, like I anticipated it being really difficult to to step away from this one.
0: And Amino Montes and Brendan Irby cast members from Sanctuary City, now at Theater Square. This is the final weekend. I went last weekend. It's quite something. That was part of our interview that we didn't have time for last week. Finally, let's listen to a part of a conversation I recently had with Tenny Rain Butler. This is an interview that will air next week, but I know not all of it will make it on the air because it was such a, a great conversation that lasted nearly half an hour. Tenny, who grew up in and lives now in Chattanooga, Tennessee, will be in Fayetteville next weekend to accept an early career award from the University of Arkansas College of Engineering. She earned her degree in chemical engineering at the U of A. But we also talked about her time with the Razorback soccer team. She was part of the first Razorback team to go to the NCAA tournament. And, and we talked about her rising career as a singer-songwriter. That led to this exchange about how her songwriting further developed and how she connected with this community through that while at the University of Arkansas.
10: I've been writing for a very long time prior to attending University of Arkansas. And I, I played I played around Chattanooga with my sister a lot. And we did different benefit concerts. And that was the thread that I was able to pull through the, the years at the university. Because I didn't have a ton of time. But I could mostly in the spring. You know, there was nothing really happening in the fall around music. But in the spring, I I had a little bit more bandwidth. And so I ended up doing a couple really wonderful things with music. And one of them was more definitely on the volunteering side. I know they're still active. I think they're over on School Avenue now. Um, Seven Hills Homeless Mm -hmm. Center is a really great organization in Fayetteville. And I worked with them very closely for several years while I was there, um, and I would go, I don't remember what day of the week it was, it was like maybe Tuesday at lunchtime, and I would go and I would play a couple of hours of music during the lunch hour that they provide to their clients. And that was always really, there was a lot of emotions there, right? It was It was really special to be able to share live music with them because a lot of people that that organization is serving are not going to have access to live music in any space really um because of you know their their life circumstances and you know trying to even get a roof over their head and so would go and share music with them weekly which was which was really fun and got to connect with with the staff there and with the clients and just kind of hang out and sing and and enjoy that and then would do in the spring usually two or three benefit concerts for them so i don't think mama carmens is still around no. fayetteville but that was where i would play most it was at Ma- mama carmens and then i think there was um the perk mm-hmm. as well which may still be around i'm not sure I think it is. Um, but played played at a couple different places and and all of all of the concerts that I did really within those four years were benefit concerts for Seven Hills um, with the exception of like a couple of Christmas requested concerts from like other organizations on campus. And those were those were fun as well. but the the benefit concerts and being connected with Seven Hills was really special and and kept the music kind of alive and i wrote at the time that i was there i wrote a bunch of songs and they were they were dealing with all those you know this different the spectrum of emotions where it's just like can these two things be true at the same time like that i'm here and that i want to be there and that i don't know how to reconcile those things so the ep heart in tennessee the title track off of that was written while i was in Fayetteville
0: Penny Rain Butler will accept an early career award from the University of Arkansas College of Engineering next weekend. And we're going to hear much more from our visit on an edition of Ozarks at Large next week.
2: Think back to a time when you tried to convince someone of something, and no matter what you did, you could not change their mind. In the world of influence, the strength of any argument that you make is only as strong, if you will, as your weakest link. How to get your point across, this week on Hidden Brain from NPR.
4: Hidden Brain, tomorrow afternoon at 3 and Sunday morning at 6 on KUAF 91.3.
0: It's Easter weekend. Today is is Good Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's plenty happening tomorrow throughout the KUAF listening area. Not many events Sunday because it's a time when a lot of families Mm -hmm. do their own thing. Now, next week... It's like we gear into spring <laughs> hard. Absolutely. Uh, just some of the things that will be happening in the next 144 hours. Tuesday, the University of Arkansas-Fort Smith will have their annual Athletics Hall of Fame inductions. That's going to happen in Fort Smith. Also Tuesday in Fort Smith, Season of Entertainment, the Jazz Band Concert, an annual event. That's taking place. Wednesday, Vine Brothers, wonderful band. Mm-hmm. They're going to be at Maxine's Tap Room in Fayetteville. Nice. Also Wednesday, uh, United States barista champion and world barista runner-up Morgan Eckroth of Morgan Drinks Coffee, exclamation point, will be at the momentary. If you have a website or <laughs> that drinks coffee, yeah. you've got to have the exclamation point.
4: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's not only inferred, but it's required. Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, Thursday, Season of Entertainment at UAFS, the annual jazz band concert, Also Thursday, the University of Arkansas Horn Spring Recital takes place at the Fayetteville Public Library. Also on the 13th, Harrison High School students will present the play The Election at the Lyric in downtown Harrison. Also the 13th, Candlelight Jazz with Jazz at Lincoln Center at Mm. Crystal Bridges. And on the 14th, the first Friday film at the Fort Smith Public Library, Marlon Brando. Guys and Dolls from Walton Arts Center
3: presents the Voice Jam Acapella Festival, highlighting pop vocal bands from around the country. On Friday, April 14th, the funk soul group Duende performs a concert, and Saturday, April 15th, six vocal groups will take part in the Voice Jam competition, with one being crowned the champion. Tickets at waltonartscenter.org. The University of Arkansas Department of Political Science offers political science and public administration and nonprofit studies graduate programs. Both programs train the next generation of local, state, national, and global leaders in the public, nonprofit, and private sectors. Applications for Fall 2023 and graduate assistantships are available for qualified applicants. plsc.uark.edu for
0: more information. Monday will begin a brand new week of daily editions of Ozarks at Large. And on that Monday edition, the life and career of Jennings Osborne.
5: Then I
7: just started piddling in Hot Springs on the weekend, barbecuing. And then I just, I, I got this rib that nobody ever ever uses because it's just so crazy expensive. And uh, that became our signature dish. And we found that uh, we brought so many good memories to people with the barbecues. And we did this in Arkadelphia, we did 5,000 people. I've always made sure we have enough food. That's the closest we've ever been to running out. But if we do an event for 1,500 people, I usually have 2,500, just to make sure. I never want to not have enough.
0: Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History will deliver us a story about making millions of dollars, cooking millions of pounds of barbecue, and stringing millions of Christmas lights. That's on Monday's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. and on your schedule with the Ozarks at Large podcast.
11: For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. A longtime Jonesboro teacher would become a national advocate for early childhood education. Edna Mae Boone Watson was born near Augusta in 1907. After attending school in Little Rock, she earned a degree in elementary education from what is now the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. In 1927, she joined the faculty of the Craighead and Jonesboro Training School, a segregated facility that later became Booker T. Washington High School. After integration, she taught at West Elementary School. Watson became director of Jonesboro's Head Start program after teaching for 37 years and served on the State Early Childhood Commission. As a board member of the Day Care and Child Development Council of America, she lobbied for federal funding for early childhood education. In 1984, Jonesboro named the E. Boone Watson Community Center in her honor. After her death in 1986, the Jonesboro Sun ran her obituary on page one. She's buried in Jonesboro City Cemetery. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm
4: Matthew
0: Moore. I'm Kyle Kelms. Good evening.
4: Good evening to you. Thank you. Uh, One of the great things about what we do here at Ozarks at Large is it doesn't just live in the ephemera of 91.3 KUAF. We've got newsletters. We've got our website. We've got plenty of places for folks to find stuff. If you missed a story earlier in the week or you tuned in a little bit later this evening and you missed a story, there are plenty
0: of ways for folks to find that. The newsletter is delivered to you every Monday through Friday morning. It tells you what was on the day previously and maybe some other things about KUAF and provides instant links so you can go listen or even share the story or interview.
4: That's right. You can also go to OzarksAtLarge.com. That will take you to our full run, dating back to, mercy, like decades,
0: perhaps? I'm not sure how far it goes.
4: There are plenty of ways to find stories that may not be have happened in the last you know yes. day or so. Yes. There are ways to find that at ozarksatlarge.com. You can go through our full archive of stories, individual stories. You can hear full episodes at ozarksatlarge.com. You can also go into our podcast feed. If you look at Ozarks at Large on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, NPR One, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Ozarks at Large there
0: and listen to our full daily editions there. Can you find it on the Apple TV podcast app on your smart TV? Probably yes, because they have podcasts. That's true guessing you can find it there. You can, actually. Okay. Well, there you go. That was a leading question, Your Yes, Honor. it was. <laughs> and, of course,
4: one of the great things about our daily show is that it doesn't just end on Friday. We have a Sunday
0: morning weekend, Ozarks at Large. Kyle, what are some things we're going to hear this Sunday? Uh, so, once again, the conversation I had with Francis Carre, the Pritzker 2022, uh, the 2022 Laureate of the Pritzker Architecture Award, Uh Daniel Carruth's report from the Karen Taha News Studio about how colleges and universities in Arkansas are planning to deal with the enrollment cliff.
9: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the Walton, the Alice L. Walton School of Medicine groundbreaking that took place mm-hmm. a few days ago. Jacqueline Frobick covered that. The upcoming next weekend free dental clinic in Conway that's open up to anybody in Arkansas or even beyond. Mm-hmm. And something else that I haven't even determined yet. We do a lot
4: here, Kyle. That's one of the great things about Ozarks at Large is, you know, I I often joke with you about we put the at-large in Ozarks at Large quite often. We cover a wide breadth of things, and we're able to do that because of listeners like you. And
0: thank you for your support all this past week. This is Ozarks at Large. It's time to take a look at a new film with Courtney Lanning. Courtney, welcome back to the show. Kyle, thanks for having me. You did not watch Paint Dry
9: for our conversation this week. You just watched something called Paint. For everybody who grew up watching Bob Ross paint Happy Little Trees on the TV screen on their public access television, here you you have a movie finally for you. This isn't, this isn't a biopic, but it's... It's in the neighborhood. This is definitely a parody of Bob Ross, played by Owen Wilson.
0: So then it's inspired by, or does it have any official connection whatsoever?
9: I wouldn't say there's an official connection between the two, but anytime you see a televised painter with (laughs) a lot of 80s vibe to it in public access television, you know what they're pointing at, even if they never say the name Bob Ross. Uh, This isn't like the untold Bob Ross story or something. It's just... We have a painter who's on public access TV. He whispers just about everything he says. Uh, it doesn't look like it's possible to make him angry. Um, and he's played by Owen Wilson. The painter in this this particular movie is called Carl Nargle. And he, he works in Burlington, Vermont.
0: <laughs> Apt. Um,
9: how is o- Owen Wilson? He's great. Uh, he captures this role perfectly. Honestly, the movie is great that they were of land Wilson because... You know, if he wasn't around, I don't think the movie would be nearly as enjoyable.
0: And it is enjoyable?
9: It is. Yeah, I wouldn't call the film high art by any means, but I still found it entertaining. It's shot with a very retro vibe. Owen Wilson basically plays this painter named Carl Narkel, who is, you know, a big fish in a little pond of Burlington, Vermont. Everybody tunes in to watch him paint on TV every day. But you know, you know the story, how it goes, things start to change. They bring in a younger painter after ratings start to slip. He watches the younger painter slowly take things from him, his, his ex girlfriend, his show, his ratings, his fans, um, and life changes for him. And the movie is about his transition and combating that change because at his core, Carl Nargle is somebody who doesn't like change. Mm
11: -hmm. He drives
9: the same old band. But the same license plate, he takes the same route to work every day. He paints similar things on TV every day. He's got a routine every time they're done. He, uh, he's a man of particular paths. And when you start changing those, there's your conflict for the film.
0: So I'm wondering, you remember the, um, the movie that came out, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. I think it might have been called The Legend of Dewey Cox. It was sort of this wacky parody of music biopics.
9: Yeah, Walk the Line.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk the line. So, and that really leaned into, at by the end, some just wacky stuff. Does this movie do this, or does it sort of maintain a more um, common narrative for its comedy?
9: So it definitely does lean a little bit into the wacky. Good. Um, because you can't have an Owen Wilson movie without some wackiness. But, you know, here's the thing is, there's a line in the trailer where a director, a museum director asks Carl Narkel, what is the painting inside your mind that makes your soul ache? And you could expect, or you could be understood for thinking that this is gonna have a a bit of commentary on art, on the pressure of artists to produce things that both satisfy their urge to create while also balancing the interest of the public. You you could be blamed for under, for thinking that paint would have this commentary, but it doesn't because mm. it gets too wrapped up in the relationship drama with Carl Narvel's ex girlfriends. Um, and while it's fine that the movie has that element in it, I would have appreciated more on the art itself. Gotcha. Um, but because the movie dedicates so much time to this will they won't they kind of thing, uh, it it loses a bit of its commenting power uh
0: what will we talk about next week
9: uh next week i will have a review for you on a new anime film called suzume i don't know if you will recall you and i talked about a movie a year or two ago called weathering with you
0: i do remember the story
9: was about yeah great movie um it is it was about uh a girl who could make it rain whenever she sang Um, And this is a movie from the same director.
0: The full review of Paint with Owen Wilson from Courtney Lanning can be found in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney, we'll talk again next week.
7: Kyle, looking forward to it. I'm Maria Hinojosa this week on Latino USA. A portrait of Gloria Stefan, the singer, actress, philanthropist, and so much more. We go deep into her influences, the most important moments of her life. For family relations, and Gloria Estefan's fears. That's This Week on Latino USA.
4: Latino USA, Sunday afternoon at 3 on KUAF 91.3.
0: This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Springdale, and Dry Fork. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas.
4: Contributors today included Michael Tilly, Mark Christ, Courtney Lanning, with some help from our friends at KUAR Public Radio and KASU in Jonesboro.
0: And thanks to Jackie Telfair and uh, Todd Yeslow, who both yesterday and today made $1,000 challenges during uh, Ozarks at Large broadcasts to encourage people during the three days of fundraising at KUAF to uh, financially support the radio station. So we do appreciate that. Matthew produced today's show inside of the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. We're going to have another show for you Sunday morning at 9. That's right. That's weekend, Ozarks at Large.
4: That's right. And, as always, we'll be back with you Monday with a brand new slate of Ozarks at Large at noon and at 7.
0: Thanks to everyone who uh, supports KUAF, Public Radio, Ozarks at Large. We talk about you often, even when we're not talking to you, and we do appreciate you and we do not take you for granted. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums.
4: I'm Matthew Moore.